It is fitting that on this first Sunday morning of 2017, we are focusing upon arguably my most favorite subject of all, and that is the love of God. We love Him this morning, brethren, because He first loved us. Isn't that wonderful? He is the one who took the initiative and has blessed us, not in the way that we deserve, but by His grace has blessed us with what we don't deserve. And we praise Him for His love. Let's just remind ourselves of some scriptures that help us to focus on the promises of God and God's unfailing love. As we read from Romans, the Apostle Paul's letter to the first century church in Rome, chapter 8. You'll know these verses well, I'm sure many of you can quote them verbatim. Let's remind ourselves of these precious scriptures. We're going to read from verse 35 uh, through to the end of the chapter. Paul questions. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is God's word. May God bless his word and bless us through his word this morning. So this morning, my sermon is going to evolve around four pictures of God's love. So inevitably, therefore, I'm going to ask you to use your imaginations. As I endeavor to communicate the pictures, it'll only work if you can envisage those pictures in your own mind's eye. Each picture will point to a different aspect of God's love. Friends, I believe God's love is a very, very special love. It is a love that is sometimes difficult to understand. It is a love that sometimes is difficult for us to accept. It's a love that is sometimes difficult for us to imagine. But it is a love that never leaves us. It is a love that surrounds us each and every day in a unique and special way. Allow me to paint these four pictures for you. But please don't switch off. Work with me. As I paint the picture, imagine yourself. I would like you to imagine, firstly, yourself standing before the throne of God in God's divine law court. It will happen one day. So let's endeavor to imagine it this morning. God is the judge 
in his divine law court. And the prosecutor is Satan. Of course he is. For he is the accuser of the brethren. And you, my friend, you are the defendant waiting to be tried for the things you did and the things you did not do in this life. Satan then calls witness after witness against you. And your head sinks lower and lower and lower with shame as you remember some of the things you have done and some of the things that you haven't done that you should have. Satan calls before you all those people that perhaps you gossiped about. All those people you thought were different from you and therefore you found it difficult if not impossible to accept them. Satan calls before you a hungry boy who needed food. But you were too busy to pay him attention. You were too busy with your own needs, your own interests, your own circumstances, your own little world. Then Satan calls before you a lonely widow that you were too busy to visit. So the parade of witnesses goes on and on and on. Depending, of course, just how long we had lived. Finally, all your sins The sins of omission, the sins of commission have been vividly exposed before the court. And you are wishing that you could simply crawl under some rock somewhere and hide. God, the mighty judge of all the earth, looks down upon you and he asks you, Do you have anything to say on your behalf? For a brief moment, you think of all the excuses that you might offer. And then you realize how futile it would be to offer such excuses to an all-knowing, holy God. So you swallow hard. You shake your head and you say, no God, I have nothing to say on my behalf. Satan jumps up and the accuser of the brethren points in your direction and he says, see God, I rest my case. He waits for the hammer to be brought down in condemnation. But all of a sudden, Jesus stands. He's the counsel for the defense. And he approaches the bench of the Almighty God. And he makes one simple statement. This one, Father, trusted in me. I have paid the penalty For all his sins. 
and you look up. And without further comment, the judge announces your acquittal. And you walk out of that courtroom into God's everlasting kingdom. And Satan he cannot say another word for Jesus the Lamb of God paid the penalty for your sin and you trusted him. This first picture shows us the love that Jesus has for us in that He paid the price for our sin. Jesus, brethren, went to the cross for our sins. Those sins that we committed and those things that we perhaps didn't do that we should have. In 1 John 4 verse 10, the apostle says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Oh, what a picture of the amazing love of God. Manifested and exemplified in his son Jesus Christ. Who died that we might be acquitted on that fateful day in the courtroom of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's an old hymn from Redemption Hymnal from Gabriel who expresses it so beautifully. He took my sins and my sorrows and he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary And suffered and died alone. How marvelous. How wonderful. And my song shall ever be. How marvelous. How wonderful. Is the Savior's love. For me. Friends. Will you be acquitted. On that day. That is coming. In the courtroom of the judge of all the earth. Allow me to paint a second picture of God's love. Keep working, brethren. It's worth it. A wife was married to a husband, but the husband had an alcoholic problem. He treated his wife and his children terribly. As a consequence. And even on occasion would come home after uh, a binge drinking session in a drunken state. And beat his wife around the house. He finally realized his problem however. And submitted himself to rehabilitation. And after a period of rehabilitation he came back to his wife Begging her for her forgiveness. Asking her for a second chance. That he might make their lives and the lives of their children better. 
She didn't know what to do. She bore the bruises. She bore the scars of that relationship. She didn't know what to do. So she went to see her pastor. She said, Pastor, my family, my friends all tell me that I would be a fool to have him back. What should I do? The pastor was an older man, very wise. He asked, my dear, do you love your husband? Oh, yes, he said. Yes. Then the pastor said, just remember this then, dear lady. You are not his judge. You are not his jury. You are not his executioner. You are the wife who loves him. I remember this also, he said. Even though you do not wish it or want it to be so, your husband will suffer more from your open love and your complete forgiveness of him than he would suffer from the punishment he might suffer if you reject him. In this second picture, of, we have a picture of God's love shown and manifested through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. A love, friends, that accepts us in spite of our past. A love that allows, therefore, because of that acceptance, for us to repent. Interesting, isn't it? What comes first, theologically speaking? Is it our repentance? Or is it the acceptance of God? (laughs) I would suggest that in Christ, the acceptance of God allows our repentance. And our repentance, consequently, therefore, allows God to lavish us with forgiveness. God's love has enabled us to approach the throne of grace and repent. This husband repented. The end of the story is wonderful because his wife, because she loved him, accepted him back. He didn't deserve that, did he? But she loved him. And God, my friends, because he loves us, will accept us back if we repent. If we come to him acknowledging something of our sinful state, accepting the reality of ourselves, we can do nothing to earn his favor. And to enjoy his salvation. We can repent. Peter, preaching in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, 19, says, Repent then, and turn to God, that your sins might be wiped out. Hallelujah! What a dynamic that is! Wiped out! Not just one or two sins, Not just a few indiscretions. Not just those evil acts of years before. Your sins in their entirety might be wiped out. The times of refreshing. 
might come from the Lord. Brethren, there's no better place, is there? Than to be found at the altar of a loving Heavenly Father. Who because of His love is granting you now an opportunity to repent. And when you repent like the husband, then the father like the wife, because of that love, will welcome you back. Welcome you home. Draw you close to himself. And you will be cleansed of all sin. What a joy it is to have a mind at perfect peace with God. Oh, what a place is this, says the hymn writer. A spirit reconciled by blood. This, this alone is peace. Another picture of God's love for us through Christ can be seen in the story of a blind girl who was meeting a clown for the first time. Since this girl had been born blind, she had never seen a clown. But she endeavoured to get to know him the only way possible for her. And so she tentatively traced his hair, his face, his big ears, his funny clothing and his large red nose with her very sensitive Superbly well-trained fingers. And as she investigated, she asked him questions and he answered her. In his own way, he sought to explain to her that because of his funny face, because of his crazy clothes, he often made children laugh. And this made children happy. And he loved to make children happy. After completing her finger-walking investigation of the clown, she suddenly, almost inexplicably, threw her arms around the clown, hugging him, saying, I love you! I love you! The clown was bemused and wondered, how can she love me? She hasn't seen me. I love you, she said. Because she'd seen and heard enough to understand that the clown was actually a person who was a lovable person in his own unique way. In this modern parable of a blind girl and a clown, we see another side of God's love for us through Christ Jesus. There's a sense in which, friends, we are the blind girl this morning. And there's a sense in which God's love is depicted in the clown. We explore that love as best as we can. But like the blind girl, we are inhibited. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. Now, he says, we see, but a poor reflection in a mirror. 
We see as this blind girl saw, trying to picture something as we endeavor to, to touch the love of the Father. We see, says Paul, as a poor reflection in a mirror, then in the fullness of time we will see face to face. Now we know in part, then in the fullness of time we will know fully, even as we are fully known. Brethren, brethren, we are inhibited in the flesh. We cannot fully understand, we cannot fully appreciate the love of God in and through Christ Jesus. We see a mirror dimly. But there is a day coming when we will see fully. We see now in a way that is inhibited. But a day is coming when we will fully understand something of the gracious love of God for us. Yes, as we endeavor to, with our inhibitions, picture, focus on, understand the love of God Maybe as we read the scriptures, maybe as we understand God's love in the pictures presented to us of Christ, his son, maybe in the sacraments, maybe in the love of others that they have for us, we understand the love of God, but we are inhibited, it's it's restricted, our understanding. But like that blind girl, Bless God this morning, we might see enough of that love, we might comprehend enough of that love, that we might throw our arms around Jesus and say, I love you. How the world looks on and thinks us stupid. How can you love one you cannot see? It's a pertinent question. And actually, in point of fact, the question that is impossible to answer. Because the world is looking for an answer that's logical, that's uh, academic. We give an answer that's an answer of faith. (laughs) I cannot see him, but I love him. Don't be stupid. How can you? Well, I am inhibited, but I, I love him because I understand something of who Jesus Christ was and is. I love him because I read the scriptures that have been extraordinarily protected throughout the generations that God has wonderfully presented to me today. He's kept them for me. Precious. I love them because when I come to church on a Sunday, my brothers and sisters in Christ embrace me for who I am. Warts and all. Inexplicably. I see the love of Jesus in them. I love Him. Friends, how wonderful it is that when we function in the realm of faith, we see, we understand enough of the love of God to embrace Him and say, like the child to the clown, Jesus, I love you. I love you. And we love Him because He first loved us. My final picture, friends, of God's love for us through Christ comes from a story told by a pastor. I was reading something of his life story. I like to read the life story of relatively unknown people. I regularly do eulogies of deceased individuals. 
And every time I do a eulogy, I prepare a eulogy, I'm reminded that this person was a person in time. Arguably unknown outside of his or her own circle of family and friends. But nevertheless, a person in time. A precious soul in the sight of a loving Heavenly Father. And therefore, deserves an element of recognition. And, and respect. And so I occasionally read life stories of unknown people. Pastor Louis Valbracht, you would never have heard of. I'd be surprised if you did. But I was reading his story, and he recalled on one occasion coming home from serving his country during the Second World War. He served in uh, Belgium and in France, and after the war he was preserved wonderfully. And as he came home, he remembers endeavoring to acquaint himself with the daughter he never knew. <laughs> when he left to serve his country, his daughter was only three months old. By the time he came back, she was three, three and a half years of age. And uh, it grieved him. Because he was her father. Unequivocally. He understood that special relationship. As he walked through the door, the little girl just looked up, kind of recognized her dad from a photograph, but she didn't really know her dad. And he longed to gather her up and give her a big bear hug and just tell her how precious she was. But she was shy, she was tentative, she was uncertain. Didn't really know her daddy, you see. He longed to gather her up and give her a big cut. She said, I love you. Grieved him. Friends, this is a picture of a, the love of God who looks down from heaven as a heavenly father upon all he has created. And it grieves him when those he has created don't really know him, don't really understand him, don't really appreciate him, and are reticent, are, are shy, just hold back. He longs to gather us up, give us a big catch. He longs to express his love in a, in a more substantial way. He longs for us to discover him more. We don't really know him. And we are reticent. My friends, the, the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 is, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Louis van Bracht later gave testimony how wonderful it was on that day when his daughter finally ran across the room and jumped into her father's arms and he could catch her. Can you imagine a father's love? Because of our disobedience, perhaps because of our lack of response, 
remains unreciprocated. How, how that must hurt him. And he looks down upon us this morning and he longs to lavish us with an everlasting love. He longs to fulfill us in ways that we can only begin to dream of. He longs to envelope us and draw us to himself. Oh, my friend, are we reticent? Are we unsure? Are we just procrastinating a decision for God and holding back as the Father in heaven looks upon you, the same Father who loved you so much, He gave His only Son that He might die for you? Are we going to continue to hold back? And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I have a plaque in my home which says, I asked Jesus, how much, Jesus, do you love me? And Jesus stretched out his arms and said this much. <laughs> my friends, I have news for you. Jesus is stretching out his arms right now. And he's saying, this much, this much. I yielded to a Roman gallows for you this much. Will you not, like that little child, run to the one who loves you with an everlasting love? That he might scoop you up in his arms, that he might gather you up and draw him to himself. Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden. You see, God knows how we are. And he knows that without him, in spite of the facade, we are just that, weary and heavy laden. Oh, there might be glimpses of happiness from time to time as circumstances kick in. But inevitably those circumstances pass, don't they? And when they pass, then we are left again null and void. Without any sincere joy, without any kind of fulfillment, with any kind of direction. But God, the Father in Christ, is looking down with His arms outstretched, bearing the wounds the marks of your redemption. And he says, will you not come to me? Please, my friend. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Four pictures of the love of God. Now, first picture, we saw a court of law where because of Jesus, we have been declared not guilty of our sins. Hallelujah. In another picture, we have seen that Jesus accepts us as we are, if we are willing to repent. As we are, if we're willing to repent. In the third picture, we saw that we cannot fully understand or appreciate the love of God, perhaps. But nevertheless, we can see enough of that love. We can appreciate enough of that love to embrace Jesus and say, I love you, Lord. And our final picture of God's love through Christ, the call of God is depicted as He stretches out His arms even now. Will He not run to me? Will He not run to me? I long to scoop you up and to cherish you. 
Truly, friends, God's special love is indeed a very special love. Fast as the ocean. So high, we can't get over it. So low, we can't get under it. So wide, we can't get around it. Oh, the wonderful love of God in Christ. Oh, my friends. Are you experiencing, are you basking in, are you enjoying that love this morning? I hope you are. Or is something impinging, impeding, preventing? Lift up an eye of faith heaven. And embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto me, he says. If you're weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and pleasant. My burden is light. Come to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. What a love it is. And we thank you that we are the beneficiaries of that love in Christ your Son. When we accept the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the invitation that remains in this dispensation of your Holy Spirit. Help us Lord we pray before time passes to respond positively. And to run to the one who even now stretches out his arms and says, I love you this much. We pray for our community, Lord. Countless hundreds, many thousands who have not heard this message this morning. Help us. To be this message to them. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.